Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we have another off-season episode for you. Everybody's favorite, right? The Cubs are not playing. Former Cubs continue to dominate some of the headlines in the playoffs that are still going on down to the Final Four there in Major League Baseball. Uh, But we do have some Cubs stuff going on. The Cubs did introduce uh, their new general manager today, Carter Hawkins, formerly of the Cleveland Indians organization. And just before we get into that, we'll talk about that and some other stuff going on in the offseason in this episode. But Brendan, we really need to figure out how to make money on when we talk about stuff that is Mm -hmm. maybe going to happen knowing Mm -hmm. it's going to happen the next day so that it immediately makes our episodes outdated. Because what did they, we talked about this last Monday night. We we, we talked about the athletics article with the four final candidates, one of which was Carter Hawkins. And it was like two in the afternoon on Tuesday that they were like, yeah, we picked a GM. And they're like, come on. (laughs) Right. Well, they did that during the trade deadline too. It was like we had three consecutive podcasts in three days. It's just ridiculous. However, we can monetize that. I'm all about monetizing. If we can figure that out and also kind of like project who they're going to sign, you know, like, hey, Carlos Correa may sign tomorrow. That would be ideal. Or like if we, you know, like sports betting is becoming a big thing, maybe we can partner mm-hmm. with, you know, Rivers or one of these sports books like, hey, Corey and Brendan said the Cubs might do this in the next couple Minus weeks. They're definitely going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we can make that app and I'll reach out to those guys at the uh, at Rivers, see what we can do. Yeah, well, so hopefully the majority of you listened to that early on Tuesday morning and then you were like, oh, I just heard about these guys there because you go. I listened to the Cubs related podcast as opposed to if you listened later on Tuesday evening or any time the rest of the week thinking why are they talking about the candidates yeah, these, when they these just two idiots yeah hired a GM uh, so that is where that is. Uh, but before we jump into that, we'll talk about mm-hmm. that. And, you know, of course, it was just a introductory press conference, which if you listen to this podcast at all, you you know it always comes with the caveat that you don't really have to take any of what they say seriously. And most of it is just kind of coach speak, team speak, platitudes type, type stuff. And, and Carter Hawkins was mostly on that today. But uh, just a, a sort of random question for you, Brendan. Uh, it yeah. is Cubs related, though, about the rest of the major league playoffs I I know how you felt about KB uh but do you care about like all these Cubs doing stuff Jock Kyle hitting a grand slam tonight for the Red Sox like do you care about that does it bother you do you like it like what do you what do you feel about that because at this point right we've heard uh Kyle Jock KB was in there. Uh, Jorge Soler had a good stretch for Atlanta, even though he's out now, you know, maybe coming back. Like, do you care about that at all? Well, I cared about Rizzo. I cared about KB. I would have cared about Javi. Like, that hurts me. But I've been over Schwarber for almost a year now, right? So I'm okay with that. Like, the ideal outcome for me was no Rizzo, no Javi, no KB. And I know the Dodgers beat the Giants to do that, but seeing KB would have crushed my soul yeah. in the World Series. Well, we I talked about that. I, I didn't that. agree with you on that. but Well, I see, I feel as if that's one area where you would have been like, all right, now I, I can kind of see you if you had to actually experience that. That's I'm telling you. fair, perhaps. Yeah. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Kyle. I, I think that's, that's great. I, I would not have been happy for KB. I love KB, but that hurts me too much. You have to give me well, more time. I think you would have been happy for him, but pained. Yeah, it's, well, maybe, I guess. I honestly don't even know. I okay. mean, I'm, I'm a very petty individual. But if this were to happen next season and Kibi, like was in the playoffs next year, I would have been fine with it. But too you soon. You need a little time. 
some time I need to a heal. little time. Yeah. But seeing Schwarber, that's fine. I'm happy for him. Um, Eventually, you know, seeing your ex move on and find a happy yeah. relationship is is fine yeah. and nice. But right away, it's, it's right little, away. Yeah. Plus, like, give me an off season where the Cubs can repair their image, you know, and then like I'm happy, you're happy, we can get back <laughs> on the same level, and then right. everything's okay. Okay. That that's fair. Yeah, I just asked yeah. because you know you see all of this happening and it spins into the the different narratives of like, oh, the Cubs traded these guys away. Could they have won with these guys, or they didn't do well, this when they were in that. Chicago? Stuff like that, you know. Yeah, well, I have thought about that. Like, I think I mentioned it to you privately. I'm like, you know what? Like, the Braves were below 500, whatever it was right. in in August. Look at the with the Cardinals. Different division, you know, though. they suck. Different division, yeah. but it's like, huh? You know, I kind of wonder what happened. What would happen if they kept them and maybe went on a hot streak? But whatever. Jed made the right decision at the right time, I think. And this is I our think. reality now. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Well, yeah. You and I, you and I wouldn't be you and I, and I don't think most of us would be Cubs fans if we didn't spend pretty much every waking minute thinking, well, what if? Right, yeah. like, well, I I do love that Jock is doing this against his former team, yes. like the Dodgers, and you know, like the the one thing I don't like though is whenever you see you know Schwarber go off, or if you see Jock and hitting home runs with Rizzo's bat, like please stop talking about the Cubs. Just talk about those players. A lot of chatter That's, about the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, I cannot watch a game. Even we don't want to mentioned. talk about the Cubs. Why are you talking talk about, about this the Cubs? Team. Yeah, I, I'm, we're obligated to talk about this team, but I don't want to talk about this team. I don't want to hear about this team during the playoffs. All right, so that's that's fair. I was just curious. I mean, you know, they're they're all over these playoffs, so just curious. Uh, I mean, you even mentioning this is like getting me heated up right now. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, that's easy. You're easy to rile up, but. Um, anyway, so let's talk about the Cubs' new general manager. So after we, you know, just barely in time for you, uh, previewed the final four candidates again from that article in The Athletic, uh, the Cubs do go with uh, Carter Hawkins from Cleveland. He was their assistant general manager. And, you know, as we talked about last week, I think all of the candidates were good ones. I think they reflected what Jed had been looking for and and good values that you want to see this organization put an emphasis on going forward. Organizations that have had a lot of success drafting, developing players, moving them through their player development system, getting uh, the most out of, you know, sometimes unheralded draft picks or prospects, things like that. So, you know, really, I think all of the candidates we were on board with and, and and they ultimately go with Carter Hawkins. Obviously, this is something that Jed Hoyer has been deliberating on for quite some time. So you have to think that he's he got his man, right? This is who he wanted, and, and ultimately this is how he wanted to have things play out. Um, I, the, the first thing I would say, Brendan, is mm. it's it's nice that the Cubs have, have made this decision and they can kind of move forward here, right? Because this is something they needed to do. It was a box they needed to check. And, you know, now they can kind of uh, get Carter integrated and get themselves ready to attack this offseason and in however they're going to do that. But it's, it's, comparing things to the New York Mets is a really low bar. And that's not something that we should strive for as fans or the Cubs should strive for as an organization. But it's just an interesting contrast when you look at that team who is having a bunch of people turn them down for their open positions at the top of their, you know, baseball front office. Theo said no. The Brewers said no to letting uh, David Stearns interview with them. Uh, There was uh, a tweet today about another guy who had turned them down and just, you know, wasn't interested in the opportunity. And again, very low bar, but it's just, it's nice that it seems like the Cubs are are, are still a sought-after position. People want to work with Jed Hoyer and this team and this organization and they're not, you know, actively having their top candidates turn <laughs> right. them down publicly. Right. Well, I think that does speak volume to, you know, the infrastructure that was left when Theo departed, where Jed is still respected, Dan Kantrovitz is respected, their overall, I guess, hierarchy is respected. And you're right, to have someone like Carter Hawkins or someone from the Rays being considered a candidate for this team, which you hear people from the Rays being considered all over the place. It does speak volume and gives you a little bit of encouragement knowing that Chicago is still a destination. And even, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, 
once uh, the the offseason gets going. But you're even hearing that from the players and Carlos Correa talking about Wrigley and and all of that. So it's nice we're getting past this dry spell, this like this disgusting last two months and kind of moving forward and it's good to know that despite what happened with all the trades and some of the drama Chicago is still a destination yeah and you know again like comparing things to the Mets very low bar but still nice to see also nice to not be in uh, a point you know the the Cardinals Mike Schilt is out as the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, kind of a, a surprise. It seemed to be a surprise to him. Uh, sounded like a, a difference in opinion, um, you know, centering around analytics and stuff like that from him and uh, John Mozalik, the uh, president there. Unfortunately, I think this is, you wish that they wouldn't have had this disagreement, right? Because I, I, despite the Cardinals' success in recent years, um, and you know, his resume, right. Which uh, just looking at his resume, it, this is a surprising move, but I think the Cubs were probably better off if he was still the manager. Let me put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Unless they yeah. bring in somebody worse, which they might, but it's um, kind of like, it was kind of like when they let Mike Matheny go. It's like, look, was. I'm, I don't work in professional baseball. So this is some guy on his couch saying this, but like, he seemed like an idiot. Right. Like, and so when that type of person is managing one of your, your biggest rivals and competitors, it's like, yeah, like go ahead. Right. For as yeah. much as, as a lot of us don't like Craig Council, he seems to know what he's doing generally. Right. And you'd prefer Ned Yost be back in charge. That's true. I mean, when you compare the two like that, of course, I will say, like, I hated when Matheny, and I'm going to be very careful saying his last name because it will slip, Mike Schilt. Like, yeah, I think I, I butchered it a minute ago, but who cares? I, that's yeah. fine. I mean, he's, he's a has-been. Who cares anymore? But I, I did not like their their old-school mentality of retaliation. That pissed yeah, me sure. off. Like, so in that sense, it's kind of a good thing. Ooh, what gone. if the Cardinals hire uh, Clint Hurdle? Oh, Corey. Do that. Corey, that would bring a new level of hate. We've never reached that level of, of, of hate before. I'm, I'm kind of here for it, to be honest with you. I love hating. Well, so we, just, I just, we just want somebody stupid in charge, man. You do you know? think they would do that? Honestly. I don't like, know, but like, we I'm don't want them to go, it. you know, like now they, they work different places, but you don't want them to go scoop up some like smart, you know, savvy manager, right? Like, I'm just thinking Clint Hurdle might be a, a target for or them. Or go, like, that. you know, see if they can pry Tony La Russa away from, from the White Sox <laughs> or something like that, you know? Uh, Tony La Russa coming back to the Cardinals. But I could see Clint Hurdle. He kind of fit into that Pittsburgh, like, new school mindset when they were in their competitive phase. Who knows? I don't know. I'm for it. Well, you'd be getting ready to get in bench-clearing brawls in that case. Uh, um, which right? I love, yeah. which I'm disappointed we have not had more of those. Yes, I know. You tweet about it all the time. Anyway, so uh, look, all, all, all in all, basically, my main point was just it's this feels like a good next step into, you know, continuing the transition that the Cubs are in, and I'm glad that they were able, at least by the sound of it, Jed was able to go out and get somebody. It was a long process. They did their due diligence, and it seems like they got the guy that they wanted and someone who has a background and an emphasis on the things that they need to address going forward. And aside from, you know, a lot of the platitudes, Brendan, you know, being excited to be at Wrigley Field, you know, of course he was with Cleveland in 2016 when the Cubs won the World Series, beating uh, Carter Hawkins and Cleveland. You know, so he talked about being on the bus after game five and, and hearing go Cubs go and all that stuff and how excited he was to be singing that and not having it be sung at him, uh, I think is the way that he he phrased that. Uh, aside from a, a lot of that, there really wasn't much meat to this press conference, which is to be expected, right? He's only been a member of the organization uh, very briefly, and there's a lot of work to be done, and they're not going to offer up their big plan. Which um, I love, by the way. Yes, yes, yeah. He didn't say anything to piss Brendan off, uh, yeah, which, which is, is, is the scale. I yep. guess um, the the one thing that he did kind of offer up, um, you know, and again, this kind of comes from Cleveland's background of, of working with pitching and having success with developing pitchers, things like that, um, was, you know, how important it is to create a language and an and operation in the front office with your analytics and your data and your strategies that 
you are able to distill that throughout the organization in, I, I think the way he put it, was a way that was digestible. So I don't think that's like a, a new thought. I think that seems kind of obvious. And I think we've heard Tommy Hadovy talk about some of that stuff, um, you know, in particular, like kind of relating some of this stuff to Kyle Hendricks versus relating it to John Lester in the past. Um, but that was the one sort of thing that he gave us a, at least a little bit of like insight on of, of what's important to him and something that, you know, he's hoping to bring to the Cubs organization yeah and you know I don't know how valid this is it's just a few people giving me information but I, I have friends who work in other front offices for other teams and the one oh, common look at Brendan I know I mean not me, name insider. dropping but you know, I know. yeah wow. name dropping yeah look at me um, but I have had the chance to go through other teams like private databases and it blows baseball savant away they're able these other teams have been able to distill all of the StatCast information and then some like proprietary uh, type of metrics in a way that is digestible and easily understood. And you give a guy like who's 19, 18 years old this type of tool, I think that's where Carter Hawkins may be describing. Also, even with Craig Breslow and Tommy Hadovy and Craig Jacobson and all those guys who've done a phenomenal job over the last two years, despite all their recent success, they're still going through a developmental process. And even this year, I don't know how it scored. Again, I don't know how valid it is. But according to some folks, the Cubs had a bottom three farm system in terms of pitching this year. I I think that considers like some spin rate stuff. I know obviously success and run prevention and all that, but at least from those types of numbers, the Cubs were still behind relative to their peers. So it's all to say it's a work in progress. And I'm more curious to see how Hawkins changes things because we do have a new type of philosophy with Breslow, with Jacobson. I wonder if they're going to add to that group or I, mean, I doubt it happens, but maybe some departures will happen to fit this current, uh, this new philosophy. That's what I'm curious about. But again, despite some of the recent success, there, there's still room for improvement, a lot of room for improvement. And the portfolio, the resume speaks for itself. You look at some of the names that have developed with Carter Hawkins and his team over the past few years from the Indians. The Indians, their starting rotation since 2019 has been top three in Fangraph's war in the American League. And some of the names have kind of come out of nowhere. They were never like full-on top prospects. Like Shane Bieber was never a full-on like top, top, top prospect. And they've had success from guys like Zach Plesak, Mike Clevenger, Aaron Savali. So these guys are like making household names for themselves and they were never you know top draft picks or able to really bring out the most and the potential of these guys and you want to see the cubs eventually do the same thing so it makes sense i wish we knew more about the details of what he actually brought but he was within the indians for 14 years man now he was an intern that could have been you Corey. if you waited this a few more years i would not be talking to you you may be the gm of the cubs right now Oh boy, uh, it's God. probably for the best that that's not the case. Um, <laughs> Chris Bryant, uh, $350 million ten year yeah. extension. Chris Bryant was offered a billion dollars by the Chicago yeah. Cubs. Um, yeah, well, and I think, you know, there, there's differing degrees to this, right? Like Cleveland at times has spent at least, you know, a little money, but they're they're typically a team that does not spend uh, you know, anywhere near the top of the league, but they're, you know, they're also not at the bottom like some other teams. So there, there's differing ways of, of success with that. But I think this is generally what you wanted in a candidate, right? And and you're, you're talking about those names uh, who have helped Cleveland succeed. Like the, the Cubs have, and, and Jed Hoyer does as well, like a background and experience in navigating the free agent market or, you know, dealing with big contracts and supplementing talent to put yourself over the edge to win in the playoffs and win the division and stuff like that. And what, you know, you feel like they really need at this moment is someone who has that experience working in a smaller budget organization that has to win on those margins 
to succeed. And like you're pointing out, Brendan, with those names in the rotation, like that's how Cleveland was doing it. That's how they were competing and going to the playoffs and and succeeding like that by creating that stuff themselves or figuring out how to develop that themselves. So that I think is the experience you're hoping that Carter brings over. And then you kind of mesh that with obviously, hopefully the Cubs are acting like it going forward, being a, you know, very rich uh, team operating near the top of the league in terms of budget. And you combine that all to hopefully have success like we've seen some other teams that, you know, are, are, are yeah. sort of trying to to do that model. So, of course, well, it remains wait, wait, to be— Wait, one second. Didn't, didn't you get like a, a, a letter from Tom Ricketts because you're, you're a season ticket holder? I think didn't everybody got that email. Yeah, well, I'm just, you know— didn't he say he's going to like spend and compete this upcoming they, season? Look, I, they keep saying that they're going to... Now, he didn't, you know, there, there's a lot of wiggle room in, in what uh, I think he said in that email, but uh, I, I believe the phrase like we're, you know, going to have the resources and we're going to use them to compete in 2022. So, you know, there's very loose definitions I mean, that's of kind all of, direct, of that. Though. That's kind of direct. I know people say, oh, it's, it's kind of loose, but his, yes. it's kind of direct, Corey. Now, like, it's yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, look, you're saying this, and it's something that, that we ought to hold them to. The question is, you know, how do you really do that? And the answer is, well, don't go to the games and stuff like that. And, like, I think the attendance would dwindle if the team isn't yeah. good again and they don't put that effort in. But does it dwindle to the point that Tom cares and cares that he – the way that he phrased that, I don't know. But yeah, look, I mean, him and Jed and everybody keep saying, like, we're going to spend some money. We're going to try to put a competitive team out there. And, you know, usually, of course, it comes with a caveat, as it, it should to a degree, right? You know how I feel about ownership and spending money. I'm not going to repeat that every time. Um, but, you know, with where their young talent is and when they're really poised to kind of be at that peak of of this next wave, right? You know, it does make sense, but we got to see them do it, right? You know, they, they could spend a lot yeah. of money this offseason and still not even be close to uh, a top payroll and, and where they ought to be as an organization. So that's where the kind of gray area comes in. But yeah, that's... Do you think, do you think Tom knows that a ton of fans now hate him? Like he, when he was first... If the uh, amount yeah. of people who have received a phone call that they are eligible for season tickets is any indication, he must or nobody's telling him. Because I, I don't know about you, Brendan, and I'm assuming some of our listeners are in this group. Like I know people that have been offered tickets or been told that they are going to be offered tickets, you know, in the, the next couple months that were nowhere near the top of that waiting list. And it's just very clear that people are dropping off. So the question is, mm. does anybody care about that? Or do new people just fill in and the world keeps spinning? So, I always thought I like the waiting list was like a multi-year thing where it was... Uh, I, a, to a get my tickets, get I was on the waiting list for, I think, eight years. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So is that not the case anymore? You can just get like a season I don't think it's. I don't think it's year. immediate. I'm just saying uh, I, I think people are getting the call a lot quicker than they ever would have anticipated. Certainly, right. you know, if you join the waiting list in 2017, right, at the height of all of this, you're thinking, boy, it's going to be two decades before anybody gives up these right. tickets, right? right? And so they're getting the call now going, oh. And then a lot of them are like, well, now I don't want them. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, so. Well, I think there's a level of uncertainty, too, with how fans would react after they won the World Series. Like, you're going to have diehard fans stick around forever. But realistically, they don't make up the majority of any fan base. It's those fringe casual fans that I well, imagine bring. I've been for a while. You know that. Right. Yeah. I know, you, I know you have. So I guess I'm giving you a little bit of credit right here. But I wonder if now it's like, oh, you know, maybe we, <laughs> you actually said this word, maybe we underestimated the degree to which fans would not tune in. Right. And you see yeah. marquee net you're seeing marquee network kind of get criticized, which I like the people involved in marquee. Like I think Sean Marshall was great. I think uh Tony and has been great. Like I like the people involved. I just wish they had more resources and it was easily accessible to 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 more fans. So I wonder with that combined with the season ticket holder stuff and trading away basically everyone's favorite player, now they're thinking, Oh, we kind of messed up a little bit. We gotta like rewrite this track that we were yeah. on previously and this is kind of what's happening yeah i i truthfully i don't know you know i don't know how it all affects their bottom line i 
I couldn't tell you, you know. Uh, the only thing we kind of have to go on is obviously the attendance numbers dwindled at the end of the year. There were yeah. a lot of games under 30,000. I mean, clearly, you know, just not a lot of people in that ballpark. Um, save for like, you know, when KB came back or uh, there was a couple of, I think the that Giant series, not only with KB, but a lot of San Francisco fans were there. And then I think that Cardinals series, uh, you know, towards the end of the year had a lot of uh, visiting fans as well. Um, you know, but the numbers were down. So does that affect them? Do they care? I, I really don't know. Um, but I, I think the one thing is clear, like for the interest to be at its peak and for the merch sales to be flying and all that other stuff, teams got to be good, you know? Yep. And I don't think, I don't even think it needs to be great, right? We're, we're still Cubs fans just because they won the World Series five years ago doesn't mean that we're not still Cubs fans. Like we'll believe as long as the team gives us something to believe in, right? But that is not what we saw for a good portion of uh, 2021. And I mean, they don't have to worry about us. Like we're going to be watching this team if they're losing 100 games every single night like we did even during the last stretch. So it's us they don't have to worry about. It's, you know, my dad who tunes in when the Cubs are good. Because he's only gonna watch a team when they're when they're good, and that's wow, the majority of fans. Your dad I feel is like a bandwagon fan. I know. Here, right I on love air. my dad. I love my dad. But you know, he's a busy. Does your dad man, listen so. to the podcast? Is he? How's he gonna he feel about this? Oh, you know what? I may have to delete this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a text next morning. Hey, Brennan, I heard you call listen, me. I'm out. not we'll talking see. about my father on the on right. this podcast. So, well, you know. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's a good test. If he does not text me, I know he's not listening. Yeah, right, and, right. And he does not love me after all. Um, but anyway, we, we kind of, uh, you know, went off the rails there a little bit, but, but bringing it back to the, the Carter Hawkins press conferences is really where we ended up on that, that little tangent. It, you know, you end up on that tangent because you, you hear Hawkins introduced today, you hear Jed Hoyer talk and, and you do kind of, you know, a lot of the focus is on, okay, we're building the next Cubs team. We got our GM, we can move on to these next stages. And, you know, that's sort of what we're talking about. It's, and, you know, you bring up the letter from Tom Ricketts, this press conference today, like there's a lot of talk, right? And we need the action behind it. And I know that uh, a lot of people are very pessimistic that that action is going to follow or that that action is going to follow in the way that it needs to or should or on the timeline that we'd all like it to, right? And and I really don't know. Um, but there's a lot of talk from this organization that they plan to at least compete on some level in 2022 and that things are going to return to the way that we all want them to be. So, I, you know, now it's it's on them to go out and deliver. And, uh, you know, depending on the budget that they have, Jed Hoyer and, and now his GM Carter Hawkins have quite the task in front of them. There is a lot, as we've talked about kind of in reviewing the, the hitters and pitchers from the 2021 season, there's a lot of work that needs to be done if you want this team to be competitive, um, you know, with where St. Louis is, with where Milwaukee is. And, you know, Cincinnati sometimes decides to throw some money around and be annoying. So, you know, you just don't know. But there, there's a lot of transition that is going to need to happen, not just, you know, in free agency or trades or things like that, but all those lower levels. You know, we're talking about Carter Hawkins, right? And, and one of the things that you're hoping he's able to bring, and when you're talking about developing pitching, like the Cubs have put a lot of their capital and their stock in being able to develop prospects, right? And we've seen them do that to varying degrees of success, of course, primarily on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but when you make all those trades, right, and you start hoarding prospects, you better develop them, right? Yeah. So, you know, when you bring in a guy like Carter Hawkins, it's not only his responsibility. You've made a lot of changes throughout the organization over the last several years, especially in the last couple years to, to reinvigorate, you know, your pitching infrastructure, your hitting infrastructure. We talk about those names all the time, but you know, part of the deal when you commit to this kind of path is you got to figure out how to develop these guys. You you have to create a pipeline that we've been waiting for for kind of a, a long time now, and you have to figure out the mechanisms by which to do that because otherwise you acquired a bunch of 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, and you know, you got to you gotta figure out a way to get them to being Major League Baseball players and so that they're ready to, you know, supplement the Brennan Davis-led Chicago Cubs in a few years. Yeah, it's undeniable. From 2016, even earlier maybe, from 2015 through 
Theo's departure, player development was was brutal. They they fell behind, and as much as Theo was at the forefront of these hitting revolutions, I guess if you want to call it that, by drafting hitters exclusively in the first round, that type of strategy is now outdated. And the same type of strategy of loading up on international free agents, which is what the Cubs did in 2013, 2014, 2015, that got them Miguel Montero. It got them a role this Chapman. It got them two crucial guys in that 2016 World Series run. Those types of market inefficiencies just simply do not exist anymore. Major League Baseball has done a good job of closing out those loopholes. And now it is player development, player development, player development. And Theo, as good as he was as an executive, simply fell behind. So to have Hawkins come in with a decade of player development experience and also just a different perspective, not having the same type of individuals who are familiar with one another from years of experience, as was the case with McLeod and Jed and, and, and Theo. It's a nice, new, fresh perspective that's centered on player development. And now you have an executive, unlike in years past, who is solely here because of that, not because of trying to find market inefficiencies and all that. So I'm, I'm excited for it, Corey. Yeah, so I think that's uh, what we have on that. Again, you know, hopefully in the coming weeks, I'm I'm sure he'll end up doing some more interviews, or we'll just sort of, obviously, at some point, start to see the actions behind a lot of these words. Um, you know, because today, again, I, I'm I'm glad that he wants to be in Chicago. I'm glad he loves Wrigley Field and is excited to build the next great Cubs team, which is you know the sort of company line at this point, right? Um, but you know, at some point you want to learn a little bit about more of like exactly who he is, what he wants to get in there and attack and and do with the Cubs and stuff like that. So uh, hopefully that is something that we start to see soon. Um, Want to transition uh, to really just ceding the floor to you, Brendan. You were out in Arizona, got a chance to head to the backfields over in Mesa, check out some of the guys. I'm genuinely shocked that I did not have to call someone to bail you out of prison because I believe uh, you were within a hundred feet of Christian Hernandez. I was. Is that correct? So how you're not in prison right now, I really don't know. Um, but kudos to you for managing you. to keep your cool around him. And I, I think James Triantos as well. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I, I didn't really talk to you while you were there, but you know, what were you doing? What did you see? What's going on over there? Because, you know, kind of, I guess it's a good segue. Like, you know, those are, that's our future right there. Like some of these that's guys right had really better pan out, uh, and, you know, the way that we want them to. So what was going on out in Arizona? That was my first Instructs I've ever been to. Like in, in the past, in all that time to, that you'd lived there, I know it's it's weird, right? Well, the thing is, they opened up Sloan Park like two years before I moved out from Arizona when I when I lived there for for college. So I never had a chance to go to like the backfields in the new stadium in the new complex. It was always like Finch Park, which is kind of like bizarre to navigate and kind of a pain just to like figure out. This is so easy. So you get there. I parked my car right in front of the stadium. Like I can see. I don't have your license plate flagged. I know. I actually nope, nope. This guy's a weirdo. Don't (laughs) let him in here. (laughs) Yeah, but I I got there around like nine o'clock in the morning. And if you if you're out in Arizona, you guys got to do this. This is like it's really cool, really fun to do. So got there around like nine ish in the morning, and uh, like I went for a run around the stadium, and I had my cup shirt on and everything. You know, I thought I was gonna get stopped and asked, "Hey, what time's practice? Hey, how you doing?" Like as if I'm a player. That didn't happen. Turn the show off. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. <laughs> I did bring my glove and my guard just in case, you know, like I can I can be a good double play partner. But anyway, so after after that, uh, like I think three of the fields were being used and I had no idea some of these guys would, would be there. Like I saw Ed Howard, Corey. I did not know Ed Howard was going to be at Instructs. Uh, I saw uh, Kevin Alcantara was there. And b- by the way, that man is massive. Uh I think he's nine. Yeah, he's nineteen. He's going to be huge. Like I got Jorge Soler vibes uh, from seeing him that up close, and I bring that up just because I was at Jorge Soler's first 
like Cubs game as an intra-squad game in 2012. And I remember, I always tell the story, I remember seeing Jorge Soler, I'm like, wow, this guy is massive. This is like the Cubs future, we're here, let's do this. Alcantara was like the same type of wow factor. So that was fun to see. And uh, for the most part, they were just taking like infield practice, batting practice. He saw some of the pitchers throw flat grounds, which is like the equivalent of like bullpens, just not on a mound, hence the name flat ground. Really fun. I do want to give a shout out, if he's listening to this, to Rich Beisterfeld. He was a huge help. And I know you and I are psycho, Corey, about the Cubs. Rich knew like almost every one of these players on the field. And he was telling me who is who, what they've been doing, you know, what to look for. An amazing help. And it's crazy that we have other fans out there that are that in depth with their knowledge of young instructs like that. So you can actually follow Rich on Twitter. He's a photographer taking some really yeah, great cool picks. up close. Yeah. yeah, really great. And it's just like a super nice guy. It's always fun to like meet up with these people on Cubs Twitter in person. Really nice guy. Do you think he uh, thought the same of you, or do you think no, no? He's like, oh god, today. Like, why is this guy here right now? I know, I know. Especially like early in the morning. That's the last thing you want to do is talk to me. Uh, His tag, tag, his handle is at b i e s t twenty two. Again, really great photos. I mean, like high quality photos. Uh, Not my iPhone blurry photos that uh, that that you saw that I tweeted out. So that was fun. And Ed Howard, first time I said, saw Ed Howard in person, Corey, guy is a stud. Also surprisingly massive. I did not realize how big uh, Ed Howard was. Uh, just like a wide human being. That's uh, just the best way to describe him. Athleticism off the charts. Watching him take infield, I could do that for five hours. I could watch these guys take infield the, the entire day. But they also took batting practice. And uh, for the first few rounds, conscious effort by Ed Howard to go to the opposite field, peppering line drives to the right field gap. And then in the last round, it's kind of like the equivalent of like home run derby where he just unleashes everything. That that guy is going to be something. I know he had kind of a rough start to his professional career. The numbers were not the best. It is a learning curve. But in terms of raw talent, I mean, off the charts with the athleticism, the bat speed, the footwork, all of that. And then he was also taking infield with newly arrived Cub, Christian Hernandez. Uh, Corey, also massive for his age. I think he's like 17 or 18 The, the rest of this podcast is just going to be Brendan uh, breaking down prospect body types. But I mean, you can tell why these guys are good. But Christian Hernandez has that like lanky body type. Um, you know, not like Fernando Tatis because he's like once in a generation type player, but uh, Christian Hernandez, footwork, off the charts. He was at second base for the time I saw him take infield. So he was with Ed Howard at shortstop, Christian at second base. He did move over to shortstop uh, later on in the practice. He did not take BP. He had just arrived. So I went to his second practice. So I was talking to Rich. I'm like, why is he not taking BP? And it sounded as if they were just kind of acclimating them to the environment. I mean, this is a new country. He has his like team over. Um so I'm sure he's getting used to everything, so that's probably why. But fun to see him just on the field, taking grinders, talking to the guys. And the personalities of some of these young guys are just, it's its hilarious. There's this one uh, <laughs> this one player who's like clearly having the time of his life out there, um, Felix Stevens. Uh, I mean, qu- the happiest human being I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I wish I was that happy. So this reminded me, Corey, of when I would go out to even like spring training practices and Arizona Fall League and all that stuff, it's it's nice to just like reset my mind. Like seeing James Triantos and Christian Hernandez and Ed Howard and Alcantara and all these young guys, it does remind you of that feeling that I had in 2012, 2013, 2014, where in one sense it's sad what happened to the major league team and there is a level of uncertainty that's uncomfortable, but this this lower level farm system is talented, man. And when you see it in person, it's one thing to watch it on Twitter and, and the videos and all that stuff. It's another to be there in person and you can just hear it. You can hear the bat off the ball. You can see the footwork, the athleticism, the attitudes of these guys. 
I mean, I came away. I was like, all right, I can see what the Cubs are doing. I'm pumped up. I'm excited about it. I know they're teenagers. I know all of that, all the risk that goes with that. But talent is truly, truly remarkable. Okay. I mean, that... Uh, that was like, what, 10 minutes of me blabbering on about that? But it was fun, Corey. Yeah, I learned a lot about um, who has who's thick and who's not. Dude, um, Ed, I'm telling you, Ed Howard is a no, massive person. No, I, it's, I, I mean, that's part of scouting reports. So, uh, you know. I uh, am a scout, correct, yes. Oh, uh, man, no. Um, yeah, I mean, look, like, I, I've always, you know, you guys know this if you listen to this podcast for any amount of time. Like, I, I'm, I've never been a big minor league guy, mostly because uh, primarily what I did when I worked in baseball was editing and cutting up and, and filming minor league videos. So you kind of just get like over it at a certain point. Um, but I think, you know, that's, that's what we want, right? Like we don't, as, as fans, I don't think we want to be in a position where we're looking at 18 year olds and, and trying to project them and, and their career and um, their growth and things like that. But this is the spot that we're in, right? So at the very least, you know, as we said, kind of at the deadline, like we want Jed, if he's going to make these trades, we want him to win right? And that's where we're at. So I think being able to see all of these guys and, you know, even even for me, like obviously I, it's been a while since I did anything remotely, you know, in professional baseball. Um, so it's it's gotten easier for me to kind of get more into this stuff over the years, especially, you know, being able to talk with guys uh, like Greg and Brian and, and Jimmy and all these other, um, you know, smart minor league guys and, and writers. Um, you know, just seeing some of these lineups, you know, seeing the the Cubs names that are participating in the Arizona Fall League, seeing some of those lineups that we saw at the end of the year, like in Myrtle Beach and Iowa and stuff like that, you know, it, it is exciting again. And and like I said, it's not where we want to be as an organization, but, you know, it does take you back to sort of the summers before 2015 and stuff like that, where you're just dreaming on these guys and, and hoping that they keep killing it at each level and moving up. And then eventually, you know, we're watching them beat the Cardinals in the playoffs at Wrigley Field, right? So that's what you're dreaming on. And and so I wasn't there with you, Brendan, but I, I, I think I, I understand where you're coming from, that seeing these guys up close in person, seeing their talent level, their athleticism, and, and just sort of catching that, that general vibe that must be, you know, taking place at Mesa of, you know, we're building something here. There's a lot of talent right. here and, and a lot of good is going to come from it. Yeah, well, it's it, that's 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 the thing. It's you kind of have to be patient, and I understand being patient for a year, two, three years. It's difficult, but the Cubs have acquired such a large sum of talented players. Where if James Triantos doesn't work out, well, maybe Reggie Preciado will work out, and he was there as well, by the way. Also, very tall, very lanky. Uh, that was fun to see. So you just have to remind yourself that they're talented. You gotta trust Carter Hawkins will put in with Jed a infrastructure in place that will promote their development. These are not college bats the Cubs drafted in years past that instantly went through the system. This will be a little bit of a different process. But despite some of the poor rankings that you might see from prospect leaderboards, I, I mean I don't I'm not a scout or anything, but you can contrast their talent with what some of the other instructs look like and all these guys are talented, but you can tell they're clearly above the rest. Like they're clearly top-notch prospects with talent, again, completely off the charts. And even, Corey, even if they don't work out and make it to the bigs, if you acquire this many prospects, you can you can use them to trade off to bring back yeah. immediate talent. So and so that is valuable. That's a good point. And, and again, you know, we're still in this, the, the, Astros and Red Sox are currently, the Red Sox are going to go up 2-1 probably tonight nice. on Monday night. The Braves have a 2-0 lead heading back yes. to Los Angeles. We learned better than to trust the Braves, though, in terms of True. getting rid of the Dodgers. So keep your, your foot on the gas there, Atlanta, please. All right, unlike last time. And hopefully they've gotten, it seems like Ron Washington has done some work. Hopefully they you know figured out how to tag up on the bases, on sack flies <laughs> and stuff like that this time. Um, but... And my, my, my point was, that's still going on. So we're still in this waiting period. Obviously, the Cubs just hired a new general manager. We've still got weeks to go before we really start seeing the action behind all of the words and, and the platitudes that the Cubs 
front office and ownership are putting out there. But that, I think, as we head into it, Brendan, is something that I am the most curious about. We've gone through the players on the roster. You know, what are they going to do with Ian Happ? What are they going to do with Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel and guys like that? What's Nico's role? We'll figure that out. But the thing that intrigues me the most about this offseason, Jed Hoyer has said so many times recently, really dating back to like the U Darvish trade, like that you don't just have to acquire prospects to develop them to play for you. You can acquire them to use in trades. He he said this several times, right? And of course, it's just true. He may not have any intention behind it. It's just something that is objectively true. You can do that. But the amount that he's said it and the, the sort of The way the Cubs are positioned, right, it does seem like something they should be looking into, right? That's what has me, I think, most intrigued. Do we see any of these guys moved for major league ready talent or, you know, buying, you know, there was that scenario this past trade deadline, right, where I think uh, someone was close. I don't remember who it was to maybe taking on Eric Hosmer's deal because the Padres were going to include Mackenzie Gore or something like that, right? And I don't know if that, you know, that was true or whatever, but we heard a lot about it. And I'm really curious if Jed ends up attempting to do that, finding somebody to do that with, just because they have they have a lot of young prospects, and it's something that Jed has just said. It almost feels like, you know, when you're watching a TV show, and somebody keeps mentioning something, and you're like, well, this has to come up at some point, because this guy keeps saying this, right? Like, usually it does, but obviously, you know, this is baseball. You never know. You need, you know, it takes two to tango, but I'm very interested to see if that happens. Right, and you don't know what new effects the CBA will have on boosting the value of those younger guys. And we saw precedents already with the U Darvish trade where maybe 2010, early 2010s, teams may have been more comfortable trading their AA or borderline major league ready guys for talented, proven players at the big league level. Maybe it's shifting. Maybe those teams, actually we know it's shifting. Maybe those teams are now not willing to give up those top tier, you know, almost ready prospects and is shifting. And now the reality is, okay, if you want to trade an established big league player, then we're not going to get back those prospects. We're going to get back some lower level prospects. And well, now the Cubs have positioned themselves where they have a ton of those. So they they may be in a position where they can go out and get an ace type pitcher maybe i don't know or get back someone of immediate value for a teenager do the reverse do what the cubs traded away last offseason and now do it for their major league team this year it's it's all possible the new cba will change things i imagine especially if there's going to be service time changes and all that there's a lot of variables to to, to be discussed in the next couple of months here, but it's all to say, it's definitely possible. And the fact that Jet keeps saying that over and over again, it does make you pause and go, you know, hmm, maybe that is a possibility. Right. So I think, you know, other than that, I, I think, you know, we heard the other day that conversations had been going on uh, with the league and the Players Association. So that is at least started but of course you know the the biggest hang up is going to be a lot of the financial stuff so we will see uh, how that progresses i mean i think as as fans you're just hoping that it's uh not something that leads to a work stoppage or anything like I that. I mean, they're not going to do that. No, it'd be, it'd be I, so I, stupid to do that after COVID. There's no way. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and then <laughs> I, I think you you also hope that their, you know, the, the the players get their fair share of things, right? Because that's that's typically what the issue is in a lot of these conversations. And, you know what uh, I just thought about though, Corey? As you said that, what if like the minor league housing announcement was a show of good faith? You know. Yeah, perhaps. So, you know, what you're referring to is uh, the Major League Baseball, you know, said that the organizations are going to provide housing for their their minor league systems and stuff. 
Um, you know, it's it's part of the way there, right? Like a lot of those guys do not make uh, a livable wage in this country. So, you know, that's that's something that still has to be figured out. And, and you know, this is a good step because there was way too many stories, um, you know, and sometimes maybe it's bad communication. But either way, like these teams are so rich, it's never come down to this, right? Where guys were sleeping in their cars or they had to bus back to whatever city because they didn't have a hotel. And it's just like, come on, right? Like these organizations are worth too much money. The league is worth too much money um, to have these kinds of issues. So this is a good step, right? Um, But I, there, there's still ways to go there and we'll see, you know, cause like you said, like they're, you know, if they, they start taking a look at the arbitration stuff, the service time stuff, like that affects a lot of players, a lot of guys. So, um, you yeah. know, you just, I, I think, I, I, I don't know why you'd be on the other side. I mean, I, I think most of us, I would think, hope that the players get their, their fair share. I, I'm not sure if you're on the owner's side, uh, I hope you also have a billion dollars, I guess, because otherwise I'm not really <laughs> sure that that makes a lot of sense. But we'll see. At least the conversations are are underway uh, because, you know, they, re- they really need to get that ironed out. And, you know, for teams like the Cubs too, like you want that ironed out as quickly as possible because that's just going to affect how they operate in this offseason, whether we like it or not, how they spend money, who they spend money on, stuff like that. Like, you, you know, you just need to... Uh, you need to figure that out. So right. that is uh, something that is is going on at the moment. So we will see, you know, where that takes us. But other than that, that's uh, that's kind of where we are in terms of baseball and and the Cubs. So uh, you know, now starts kind of getting ready for the off season to to really begin. We've got, you know, of course, uh, several games left in the championship series and then ultimately the World Series. So still t- some some time left. So it's going to, you know, still going to be a little bit of downtime as we wait for, for stuff to really get underway. But that's kind of where we are, Brendan. That's it. And this is the worst time of year for like not being a playoff team, right? You're in limbo. You're not hearing trade rumors. You don't have any of that. So all you can do is really just watch playoff baseball. At least the Cubs gave us something with the Carter Hawkins hire. At least like we have something to talk about. But in the next few weeks, this is just how it is. But once the season ends, boom, you have the GM meetings coming up, the winter meetings. Yeah. You have the CBA discussions. You got all the rumors. It's going to heat up really fast here in the next three weeks. You just have to like get through these next few weeks and then all the cub stuff will start to happen yeah and i you know that stuff ebbs and flows but it there should be plenty to talk about once the offseason oh, yeah. uh gets underway at least is the way things are shaping up if they if if you know you you take tom at his word which you don't have to uh but you know when he says we're, we're going to have the resources to compete and we're going to use them that that would mean a lot of action in this offseason so that's that's a lot of stuff for us to talk about um I believe next week uh, we're going to have Brian Smith from Bleacher Nation on um, to sort of bridge that gap, right? I'm, I, I don't know that there will be any new Cubs stuff to, to really dig into. Um, so we wanted to do that, um, you know, to kind of just set the table for the offseason and, and really look back at the minor league season that was the development of a lot of guys. And, you know, not to, you know, call into question your prospect talking abilities, Brendan, but I, I think Brian might be whoa, able whoa, to whoa. go a little more in depth uh, with us rather than just pointing out, you know, which guys have, you know, nice body types <laughs> and, and things like that. A projectable body to grow though. into or that they've already grown into. I think Brian can, you know, maybe take us uh, a little deeper than that, but but really would That's like fair. to, you know, just get into like, as we head into this offseason, you know, what were some of the, the most important things that happened over the course of this season at all the levels, the, some of the biggest developments, jumps, things like that, and, you know, just where Brian overall sees things as, as we enter this offseason um, into, you know, obviously a very important offseason, a transitional offseason, however you want to phrase it, for the Cubs here. So uh, you can look forward to that. Uh, Brian is always 
always great to talk to. And I, I think, uh, you know, hopefully we'll all kind of learn a lot or, or just rediscover a lot about what went on uh, with the minor league system this year and uh, get us set up for the offseason. So you guys can look forward to that. As always, uh, we thank you guys for listening to the Cubs Related Podcast and supporting us, especially during the offseason. You guys are listening to a podcast about a baseball team that is not currently playing baseball. So we appreciate your support in that. Uh, and we will talk to you guys soon. So as always, go Cubs.